0: that you're doing for us, God. Lord, we just declare who you are today, that you are the liberator, and you're breaking the chains, Lord, and you are healing every heart and every wound.
1: And his healing touch is here too. Sam, where is Sam? Not, not here, he's out there. God touched his hand, and uh, he's numb, couldn't feel it, had no strength in it, and uh, woke up last night and works. Praise be to God. Blessed be God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.
0: And blessed be his kingdom now and forever.
1: Almighty God, you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Jesus said, the first man is this
2: Hear, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By By what I have done, done,
1: and by what I have left undone. I have not loved loved you with my whole heart. I have have not loved my neighbors
2: as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of of your Son, Jesus Christ, Christ, have have mercy mercy on me and forgive me, that I may may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your name. Amen.
1: The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolution, remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit. Lord, have mercy. Christ, Christ, have have mercy. Lord, have mercy. be with you. Let's pray together. Our Lord of all power and might, the author and giver of all good things, wrapped into our hearts the love of your name, increase in us true religion, nourish us with all goodness, and bring forth in us the fruit of good works. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> I can tell who wants to be first, so I doubt if you're going to be last. mm mm-hmm. Bless these children, Lord. Just bless them and fill their minds with all the revelation and understanding of Jesus Christ and who he is. Amen? Amen. Somebody got to sign up.
3: first reading this morning comes from Deuteronomy chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I teach you to observe, that you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you. You shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you, For your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Pior, Peor, for the Lord your God has destroyed from among you all the men who followed Baal of Peor. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. Surely I have taught you statutes and judgments just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess. Therefore... Be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all of these statutes, and say, Surely this this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has God so near to it, as the Lord our God is to us? For whatever reason we may call upon him. And what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments as are in all this law which I set before you this day? Only take heed to yourself, and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Teach them to your children. And your grandchildren. The word of the Lord. This morning's Psalm is Psalm fifteen. We'll read responsively by the asterisk. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness. He who does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. He He who does not put out his money at usury, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent.
2: He who does these things shall never be moved.
3: Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit.
0: As was the King, is now, and will be forever. Amen.
4: Our second lesson this morning is taken from the book of James, chapter 1, commencing in verse 13. But no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. This is the word of the Lord.
2: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Mark. St. Mark, chapter 7, beginning in verse 14. When he had called all the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear me, everyone, and understand, there is nothing that enters a man from the outside which can defile him, but the things which come out of them, those are the things that defile a man. If anyone has ears, let him hear. When he had entered a house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. So he said to them, Are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him? Because it does not enter his heart, but his stomach, and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. And he said, What comes out of a man that defiles a man? For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. The Gospel of the Lord. you, Lord You may be seated. Let's open with a word of prayer. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. So I've got some good news to start off the sermon with. If you've been paying attention, you may have heard that we were praying for one of our Marines, John Mark Johnson, who is over in Kabul. Um, we had some tragedies happen there this past week, but he is safe and actually he successfully transferred to Kuwait. So praise God for that. He is no longer in the midst of that chaotic situation. And it really was God's hand because I got a a text from his mom because he had been working the security gate for two days and he was just completely overwhelmed and exhausted by the tragedy that he had seen. We actually did Get a photo also from him where there were a couple of children who actually made it through to safety in the gate. And he was so excited. So they took a picture with him. Really cool photo. But I bring all this up to say the very next day when he was not on the security gate is when the security, uh, the suicide bomb happened right in that area. And so thank God uh, for the safety of our Marine, but also let us pray for those who lost loved ones. It's such a tragic situation. But do you know what's crazy about that situation right now? The craziness is that what we learn in Scripture is that the chaos in Kabul has everything to do with the enemy's fight for your heart. The craziness in Kabul, the chaos and evil that the Taliban, ISIS, and so many others are bringing into that situation, actually what you choose to do in your life affects That situation, not only in our prayers, which were effective to comfort and protect our Marine, John Mark, but actually by you living according to the commandments of God, the ways of God, being transformed to be the people of God, you are a light that shines against the darkness that we see in Afghanistan. So I want you to not separate these things, as we so often do, as that crazy place over there. Oh, so sad. And you move on with your life. But actually, we should hear this as a clarion call that the kingdom of God needs to come to earth in our life. And we need to pray ever more fervently, Maranatha, thy kingdom come. Right? Because you know what the kingdom of God means? The kingdom of God means that the light will come into the world and all darkness shall be overcome. And do you know what the word is? The word is that he has already come, that there is no darkness in this world that can prevail against the church of God. And so when we talk about these things this morning, I don't want them to be separate in your mind. In fact, if you welcome God into your life, if you follow his ways, if you build your family by the principles of the kingdom of God, that will be in that very act fighting the kingdoms of darkness in this world. So we have a role to play. We should continue to pray. We should continue to pay attention. We should even be political and vote. Vote more able leaders into our country. But most importantly, we should build our families according to the ways of God. Because if everyone who is a Christian made that their goal, then do you know that God would continue to expand his kingdom as he's been doing this past 2,000 years? It's all about us. So I want to talk today a little bit about what God did in Scripture as he sought to teach his people how to relate to him in a world that was filled with darkness, in a world that was filled with confusion, with inept political rulers, with slavery and oppression. That's the world of the Bible. And you know, it's the world today too, right? And so we can relate to what these people are learning because when God first started relating to man... We were so distant from him that we really didn't know how to conceptualize him. It took the entire Old Testament, the revelation of Jesus Christ, and the New Testament church for God to communicate to us his plans and purposes for the world today. What I mean by that is that when you watch the progression of the Old Testament to the New Testament, what you see is God continually reminding us that he is actually a God of love and transformation. That there actually is not a situation that he cannot redeem. There is not a mountain that he cannot overcome. So we're going to talk a little bit out of Deuteronomy to start today. And I want you to kind of see this move that happens from external actions being the focus of the Israelites to internal transformation being the focus of the New Testament. If we go back to Deuteronomy chapter 4, beginning in verse 5, Moses is talking to his people, and he says, Surely I have taught you statues and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess. I'm going to stop right there for a second. This blew my mind when I read it. I was thinking, why did God, and we can ask this question, why does God give the Israelites all these crazy commandments? In fact, even Jesus later, he says, those commandments about what you're supposed to eat, which you guys may have heard of, it's called kosher, right? You're supposed to, you can't have bacon, which is absolutely insane. You can't have like, there's cloven feet, there's all these rules, right? God had given them to the Israelites, and yet what is Moses saying? He's saying, actually, all of those commandments that seem arbitrary to us were so that they could enter into the promised land. I want to draw a connection here. What happened when God saved the Israelites out of Egypt was that he rescued a group of slaves. And what needed to happen before they could inherit the promised land is they needed to become a nation, a people of priests to serve their God. And in order for that to happen, he actually had to impose statues and laws and teach them how to live according to his purposes. It's very similar to training your children to go to a restaurant. (laughs) You have to give them these arbitrary rules. Don't touch anything. Well, that's dumb. If you're a three-year-old, what do you want to do? Touch everything. Don't be loud. What do you want to do when you're a three-year-old? You want to yell. We went to Chili's the other night, and we get to the table, and Rowan goes, ketchup! Because there's a bottle of ketchup on the table. I don't know what was so exciting, but, but he was stoked that there was ketchup on the table. And we have to teach him. No, you can't actually just yell out your joy at a dinner table in a restaurant. Now, it was chilly, so it was fine dining, guys. It was very important that we teach them these things. But the point of the matter is that I have to teach him these rules that seem extremely arbitrary to him, don't make any sense to him, but they're teaching him how to exist in the land that I was taking him to, the land of the promise, the land of the chicken fingers and pizza. There's an important element to what God is doing with us. He wants us to learn his ways because he has better things for us. These people, these children of Israel, they were slaves. And if they had gone directly into the promised land, it would have not been a promised land. It would have been a land of slavery because slavery wasn't just their external circumstance. It was their internal existence. They thought of themselves as slaves. And we see that worked out in 40 years of God coming back to them saying, no, you can't do that. You have to worship me. You have to pursue me. You have to love your neighbor. He's trying to hammer these things into their hearts, but they keep turning because of the internal state of their heart. And so what Moses is telling them, he's trying to remind them, look, I've taught you these things so that you can go into God's promises. What promise are you praying for when God's just trying to teach you how to inherit it? What is the place where God's preparing you to step into your destiny? But because you don't get what he's trying to do in your life, instead of walking in the places he's called you, you're complaining to him about how you don't have the promise yet. God, you didn't give me that thing that you promised me. When are you going to do it? When are you going to show up? And he's like, look, I've got to teach you some table manners first. And it's not because he wants you to. To not embarrass him, like it is when I'm teaching Rowan the Table Manners at Chili's, right? Some of that comes because I just don't want to be embarrassed. But for God, it's all because he knows that if we were given the promises before the preparation, then we would not be able to enjoy his promises. We would not be able to continue to glory in the things that God had done for us. So all of this should be framed from the perspective that God wants to give you good things. That's it. That's his heart towards you. You don't have to be complicated about it. He wants to give you everything that is good for life. He wants to give you the abundant life. But he knows that it has to do with how you live your life, that it's integrally bound with how you live your life. So let's move on in this passage. So he says, I've taught you these statues so that you can inherit the promised land. Therefore, be careful to observe them. For this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear these statues and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Israel was always meant to be a witness to the peoples of the world of the goodness of God. So I just talked about how Moses taught them these statues so that they could inherit the promises. He also taught them these statues so that they could invite the whole world to participate in the goodness of God. Same thing that God wants to do with you. It's even bigger than the promises that God has for you. It's actually so that people in Afghanistan can look at the church and say, man, I want to live like that. What's different about them? Surely that great nation is a wise and understanding people. But even as I talk about how God's moving from these external rules to an internal transformation, I want you to remember that how is the world going to see these things? Because they're going to follow the commandments. Not because they're going to believe really hard in their hearts, but because they're actually going to live out the ways of God in their life. They're going to have 11 children. They're going to serve and have a good attitude even when there's no reason to. They're going to go to work with a good attitude even when the day before their boss treated them poorly because they know they're working as unto the Lord and not to a man in a position, because they're going to live differently. That's how the world will know. That's what Jesus said, right? How will the world know you're my disciples? Because you're going to love one another. It's really hard sometimes. I think sometimes we give ourselves too much credit. I think about the times when I was, a, I was the oldest sibling of nine, eight. well, I had eight siblings. There were nine of us total. And I can tell you right now that I did not love my siblings that well at different times in my life. I was just remembering with uh, Kimberly this time when I flicked her on the arm, no reason, absolutely no provocation, and she started crying. And I was like, that didn't hurt. Here, watch. Flicked her again. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that It's a silly thing, but I want you to remember that our hearts need to be trained to love one another. It's not a feeling of ooey gooeyness that you need to have towards everybody but something in me no matter how much I wanted to flick my sister needed to learn I love her more than that it took a while but I learned my I learned I think I learned my lesson I don't think I would flick my sister again if she were standing before us today right the point of the matter is all of these statutes and commandments although their purpose is to change your heart they also matter they also are supposed to dictate your actions. So let's not get so high and mighty because we have all the right answers in the world. Well, I'm a Christian. I would never do that. Or I'm a Christian, so I have some sort of privileged position on truth. Well, live it out. Take up your cross and follow Christ and serve and love the world, right? Be transformed by these actions and continue to walk in the ways of God. So how will the, he's talking to the nation of Israel and he's talking about how it's going to be a witness to the nations of the world who will see that they are wise and understanding because they're following the ways of the Lord. And in verse 7 he says, "For what great nation is there that has God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us? For whatever reason we may call upon him," And what great nation is there that has such statues and righteous judgments as are in this law, which I set before you this day? Now, this one's great when you think about parenting. Because what's he saying? He's saying, how awesome is it that God himself is laying out all these laws and commandments for us? When, if you told that to an American today, you'd most likely get the response, you mean it's, it's a good thing you have all these laws and commandments? Yeah, actually, this is a part of how God is loving the people of Israel. And it's the same way when we look at parenting, because there's this philosophy out there. There's this thought out there that the best way to parent is to give your child the maximum freedom to do whatever he wishes. And then if he does something that he cannot do or she does something she cannot do, you will sit him down and have an educated discussion with him to teach him the ways and explain to him why he is wrong to be doing what he's doing. If you've been a parent, you know that that doesn't really work. It's a nice thought, but it's not the truth. It's not what we're taught in Scripture. What we're taught in Scripture is discipline a child. Sorry, raise a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And then there's another one that's burned into my memory. is uh, the, raw, the uh, Rebellion's bound up in the heart of a child, and the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. I think I've heard that scripture more than anybody else here. <laughs> but there was, a, there was a point to this sentiment here. Yeah, you've got to have this idea in your mind that the rod of discipline is the loving hand of the Father. That what, The way that God treated the people of Israel. And if you read the story of the 40 years in the wilderness, it was no cakewalk. God disciplined them over and over and over again. And the reason he did that is because he loved them and wanted what was best for them. And psychology and every study you could ever look at about early childhood psychology tells us this, that kids actually crave the discipline of their parents, the attention of their parents. doesn't feel like it at the time. But there's something in there where they want to know the boundaries of their life. They want to know the way that they should go. We crave that training. So when it talks about for what great nation is there that God is so near to it, we should think about it like what great kid is so privileged to have his father near to him when he does something wrong and he can instantly be disciplined. That's part of what they're saying here. God pays so much attention. I Trust me, I did not want to have my dad pay that much attention to me at certain times in my life. But it was good. It was good. It was love. It was important. It brought me to be who I am today. So if there's discipline of God on your life, ask him what he wants you to learn. Don't complain. That's something I learned later. It's like, oh, they, they actually have a reason for that. They want me to behave differently. And then they can transition from... Discipline to instruction, right? There's kind of a mix in there. Ask God what he wants you to learn if you're in a time of discipline with him, because it's only by his love that he is acting. And then here at the end, verse 9, only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life, and teach them to your children and your grandchildren. We have really bad memories. Well, okay, I should rephrase that. We remember the bad things really well, and we forget the good things in a moment. The provision that God gave you yesterday is forgotten, and the thing that you felt slighted for a month ago is remembered. We need to train our memories to recall the things that God has done for us and to lay down the offenses that we've taken in the process. It's called forgiveness. You have to forgive not only people, but you have to forgive God in your heart. It's it's silly to have an offense against God if you lay it out clearly. Like, I'm mad because I have this thing, and God's like, I put you there. And you're like angry with him. When you lay that out, you're like, okay, my loving father, who's the king of all the universe, I'm angry with him. It seems silly, but we build up these things if we don't pay attention. I think if there was one Universal principle in this whole message, it's this, pay attention to what's going on between you and God in your life. Because I'm trying to explain the way that God works, but unless you can see it in your own life, it's going to be really hard to follow what he's doing. Instead, you're running around from job to job, from from thing to thing, from distraction to distraction, and you're not paying attention to what God wants to do in your life. You might miss the discipline of God. And then he's so loving, he will bring it right back to you again until you learn your lesson, right? So let's pay attention. Let's diligently keep ourselves and not forget the things that God has done, the things our eyes have seen. Ultimately, the goal of all of this comes forth when we get into Psalm 15. In Psalm 15, verse 1, it says, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? And I'm going to read verse 2. He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. Now, there's a lot of other things in there that we could talk about forever, but I want to highlight just this one. Speaks the truth in his heart. What does that look like? What does that mean to speak the truth in your heart? I would argue that all of the things that I was talking about, the discipline of God, is to bring us to the point where we speak the truth in our heart about the world. We see the world as it really is. Because what happens is, throughout the day, you have information that's just coming at you. More than ever before in the history of the world, you have voices who are trying to convince you of their point of view. You have information coming at you, and you can easily believe lies in the midst of that. In particular, I want to kind of, I'm going to skip through some of this stuff. There's so much more we can talk about in these things, but I want to get to some stuff towards the end here. I'm going to jump from there. So we want to speak the truth in our hearts. I'm going to jump from there to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. Though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For our weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. So what are we talking about? It seems like we we went from the Old Testament where Moses is reminding the people to keep the commandments of God And then we jump into the psalm, and it talks about speaking the truth in your heart. And then I go to this completely other verse about our spiritual warfare is against lofty opinions and arguments. What's the through line here? The through line is that ultimately everything we do is because God wants us to know the truth which will set us free. When he was teaching the Israelites by giving them the commandments and walking with them and disciplining them, what he was teaching them was that their identity was no longer that of a slave. Their identity was that of the people of God who were called to walk according to his ways. And that if they would seek him, they would find him and he would guide them into the promised land. But all of that happens in their hearts. Because don't you know, you can learn to mime the actions of religious living without ever paying attention to what God wants to do in your heart. We prayed about that in our collect. Bring us into true religion. And what is true religion? Well, Jesus tried to explain it to us in the gospel. True religion is not about what you eat or drink or what you do. It's about what comes out of your heart. And he says, he gives a nice great list of all the things that can come out of your heart. Enviousness, lust, fornication, murder, you know, all these things, these awful things that can come out of your heart. That's because that's where the war is happening. And that's what Second Corinthians is telling us is that, Though we walk in the flesh, our war is not actually according to the flesh. Most of us are not called to pick up an M16 and go into a battlefield to fight enemies in real life. In fact, the Christian way is not about that. That may be something that a Christian is called to do at some point in their life, but it is not the point of Christianity. The point of Christianity is to be changed and to fight that battle in your heart. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So what is this about? It's about speaking the truth in our heart that we read about in the psalm. And I have a couple of examples that I want to just walk through real quick that maybe are things that you, I know they're things that I have struggled with in my life. So let's talk about pride. Everything that's coming out of the heart that Jesus is talking about is because we're believing a lie about the world. That's my argument today, is that the things that are coming out of the heart are because there's a lie somewhere that's being believed. So let's talk about pride. Let's say I preach a really great sermon. Let's just imagine that that happened once in my life. And let's say I started thinking that I was pretty darn good. At preaching a sermon. In fact, I think I'm awesome to listen. People should listen to me. I am pretty awesome. I'm the bee's knees. I am the sliced bread. That's how good I am. Best thing since sliced bread, right? So let's think about that. Let's say that that starts to build in my heart, and it could be subtle. It could be subtle. You could be on your way home just thinking, man, I just did really good today. You know, let's get Chipotle. It's a day to celebrate myself. No, but there's this idea in here where you can start to think, oh, geez, I'm pretty awesome. Now, it's obvious when you're preaching a sermon that there's a misstep here. Because obviously what I'm doing up here is more about what he's doing than it is about what I'm doing, right? I think we can all agree that it's really about what God is doing, hopefully, and not about what I'm doing. But you know, that's the same in every aspect of your life. We are so proud of our abilities at work, of our abilities at home, of our hobbies. And yet, you know what? It's always more about what God is doing through you than what you are accomplishing yourself. I picked an example that's easy for us to understand, preaching a sermon. Duh, that has to be about God. But you know what? So is driving. (laughs) So is putting food on the table for for your wife and your kids. So is parenting and everything else we're called to. It's way more about what God is able to do in us than about our ability to accomplish what we've set out to do. And so pride wiggles in there and it tells you that lie. Man, you're really great. You did all that. You're the the one who should be celebrated when all you need is to turn to the truth, speak the truth in your heart, see the world as it really is, to realize actually it's way more about praising God in that moment. You know what kills pride? Worship. When you put God in his proper place, your pride shrinks way down. You know what else kills pride? Just think about the the last time that you made a mistake and then the time before that. And then compare the two. Oh, man, they're the same mistake over and over and over again. It's like, oh, man, all my pride just... I'm being a little facetious, but there is a point where you remember who you are. That's why we have Ash Wednesday, right? From dust you come and to dust you shall return. That's pretty humbling. The ultimate humility, of course, is in Jesus Christ, the greatest preacher of all time. There was not a miracle that he could not accomplish. And yet he constantly reminded people, I only say what my father tells me to say. I only do what my father tells me to do. And ultimately he humbled himself even unto ignominious death on a cross. When I know if I was in that situation, I would have been raising my hand. I didn't do any of those things. I am innocent. Don't touch me. I am the son of God. But Jesus gives us the greatest example of humility that he doesn't even defend himself. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, Slaughter, he doesn't open his mouth. That humbles me. Let's talk about one more example. Actually, I've got two more, but this one's really good. Envy. I want to argue that the spirit of our age More than anything else that we're fighting against in America right now is the spirit of envy. Everything is geared towards being jealous of what somebody else has or what somebody else gets to do. Social media is like a drug. They have proven that again and again. And the drug, I would call it, is envy. Maybe pride's in there too. But the point is, let me show all of my friends how amazing my life is so that they can envy me. You get that picture of the people sipping margaritas on the rooftop in Aruba and, oh, my life's so great. Hashtag blessed. You know, it's like, God, why? Why are they so happy? Now, of course, you don't see the scene before where the wife's like, we're going to take a picture. And the husband's like, I don't like you anymore. And then they're like, let's take a picture anyway. And then the scene afterwards where they get divorced. you know, you never know more than what's going on in that picture. But more importantly, you're believing a lie if you're jealous of that couple. And the lie you're believing is that happiness is what they have and not what God's given you. The lie you're believing is that God hasn't given you all of the goodness that you've obtained. The lie you're believing is that he's holding back something from you and that he's pouring it out over there. This is what it means to speak the truth in your heart because if you speak the truth in your heart, the truth is gratitude. I've got a beautiful wife, three amazing kids, a wonderful apartment, a great job, the opportunity to get up and preach on Sunday mornings. I've got all that that God has given me. All of a sudden, your jealousy starts to shrink when you start talking about what God has done for you. It's all about that memory thing I was talking about earlier, right? We really remember the bad stuff, and we have some difficulty remembering the good stuff. And like I said, I have one more example here. And this one I want to bring up because I think that this is also endemic in our culture right now, and that one is despair. And I think envy leads a lot of people to despair. I'll never have that. I'll never be happy. I'll never have a wife. I'll never have kids. I'll never have what I want in this life. That's despair, and that is a lie from the enemy that is seeking to twist your heart so that you can't even see the world anymore except through that lens of despair so what is the lie you're believing there the lie you're believing is that God cannot rescue you God cannot redeem your situation and God cannot provide for you the lie you're believing is that there's no point in hope and you know one of the what's the scripture right the greatest things that we should aspire to in our life hope is one of those three so if you give up hope, Well, guess what? It's a bad road. That's why suicide is up right now. Because people have been giving up hope. Now, it's a complicated situation, but at the root of it is despair that goes so far as to say, I am so irredeemable that it'd be better if I wasn't here. There is no lie that is more antithetical to God, that is more antichrist, than the idea that the world would be better if you weren't here. Because you know what? God created everything that is so that you could be here. So that you could walk this earth. So that you could have your family, your life. Question is, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to speak the truth in your heart? Are you going to follow the ways of God? Are you going to be a witness to the world of the wisdom and goodness of God? That's the invitation. I don't want you to feel like this is a word that's giving you a lot more to-dos. I want you to know that this is a word that tells you that it's better than you think. God is better than you think. His plan for you is better than you think. Never give up hope. Never give in to the lie that God's not good enough or God can't give you all things through his riches and glory. Always look to him in your life. And when you start to participate, just watch what he does. Just watch. Pay attention. Don't forget the things that he does in your life. Open your eyes. You can even test him. I'm going to give you permission to do something that might be a sin here. I want you to tell God something. I want to meet you, God. And then I want you to pursue him and see if he shows up. Now, I'm not saying that you need to doubt God, Bishop. I'm sorry if this is straying too close to the line of advertising. My point is that God has promised you that if you seek him, you will find him. So test the promise of God. Seek him in your life. We're all going through this life. We're looking at the world, and every single one of us has had that moment where we're like, well, crap, this really sucks. There's a lot of awful things happening. There's a lot of difficulties in my life and in the lives of those around me. Where is God? He's right there. Seek him. Don't stop at the question, where is God? Actually go looking. You're going to find him, and he will change your life. Amen? Amen.
1: That was a really good word. Amen. <laughs> Go ahead.
2: Let us pray for the church and for the world. Father, we pray for your holy Catholic Church. Oh. Grant that every member of the church may truly and humbly serve you. We pray for all bishops, priests, and deacons. We pray for all who govern and hold authority in the nations of the world. Give us grace to do your will in all that we undertake. Have compassion on those who suffer from any grief or trouble. Give to the departed eternal rest.
1: Let light perpetual shine upon them.
2: We praise you for your saints who have entered into
1: joy. May we also come to share in your heavenly kingdom. Almighty and eternal God, ruler of all things in heaven and earth, mercifully accept the prayers of your people and strengthen us to do your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. With your spirit. Turn, greet your neighbor with the peace of God. Just excellent. He hit it. He didn't. He didn't.
5: Pictures of the mural that got painted, though I think, and uh, some pictures of the students of the school. So we just want to again thank Mary and her crew for putting that together. And this is
1: big. Yeah. This ain't little. You got to go see it. I mean, it's huge. Really good. Okay, so double, uh, double men thanks.
5: and women, we got something for both of you here on the schedule. There's a women's breakfast. Uh, on September 18th. And it'll start at 9 a.m. And you guys can, ladies, can get together and make some plans.
1: That's never good.
5: <laughs> I know. <laughs> Leave it at that. Uh, men, we'll get back together October 2nd for our uh, monthly men's meeting. And then on October 3rd, we'll all get together for the St. Michael's Feast after church here. On campus, I believe. Yep. Uh, So it'll be a big potluck, and we'll celebrate together, plan on bringing some food, and just uh, having a good time uh, with our church family.
1: We're going to have a great time. (laughs) A lot of surprises this year.
5: Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) All right.
2: As we respond, sorry, as we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Together, through Christ, let us continually offer to God the the sacrifice of praise. That That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God
1: but they are
0: Name the storms against us.
1: this Eucharist up for all the men and women who are in harm's way, particularly in Afghanistan, where we just pray for peace on earth and goodwill. We welcome all baptized believers to receive the body and blood of Christ. This is the table of the Lord that's made ready for those who love him, for those who want to love him more. Come if you have much faith, and come if you have little. You who've been here often, or you who haven't been here long. You who've tried to follow, and you who failed, you come. Because it's the Lord who invites you. It's His will that those who want to meet Him should meet Him right here. So come to the table this morning. The Lord be with you.
5: And with your spirit.
1: Lift up your hearts. We
5: lift them up to the Lord.
1: Let us give thanks to the Lord our God.
0: It is right to to thanks and praise.
1: Father, all-powerful and ever-living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through his cross and resurrection, he freed us from sin and death and called us to the glory that's made us a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation a people set apart. Everywhere will proclaim your mighty works, for you've called us out of darkness into your own wonderful light. And so with all the choir of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory, and we join in their ending hymn of praise. you're holy indeed, the fount of all holiness. Let your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts to make them holy, so they may become for us the body and blood of Christ. Before he's given up to death, the death he freely accepted. He took bread, he gave you thanks. He broke the bread and gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take heed, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Later, when supper was ended, he took the cup, and again he gave thanks and praise. He gave it to them, and he said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Let us confess this mystery of Christ. Christ is is dead, Christ Christ is risen, and Christ Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and to serve you. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love together with our patriarch, Craig, and all of our clergy. Remember especially those who were sick or infirmed in spirit, soul, or body. We remember this day, Lord, Connie and Susan and Carl and Serena and Naomi, Sonja and Sandra, Karen, Tammy, Maria, Kyla, Jean, Mario, Patrick, The Longden family, Mike, Giovanni, Jason, and our Marines and sailors at Camp Pendleton, we hold them to. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken, and as we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ, the world. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles and the martyrs and all the saints who have gone before us. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him and with him and in him in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God and Father, now and forever. Amen. Jesus taught us to call God our Father, and so we have courage to pray. Our Father, Father, who who art art in heaven, heaven, hallowed hallowed be be thy thy name. Thy thy kingdom kingdom come.
5: Therefore, let us keep the
1: feast.
5: Hallelujah.
1: O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world.
5: Have mercy Mercy. upon us.
1: O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world.
2: Have Have mercy mercy upon upon us. us.
1: Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world.
2: Grant Grant us thy peace.
1: The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you. And feed on them in your heart with thanksgiving. the body of Christ, the cup of our salvation, the blood of the Lord. Say, Michael the archangel, defend us in the battle and be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world, seeking the ruin of our souls. Remember the gospel. God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world of himself by counting men's sins against him. God loves us. He's forgiven us. He's not mad at us. And He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.
0: Hi,